Last week we talked about, um, the title was The Test. We tested ourselves. We took a look at our faith and we evaluated our faith. We looked at a bunch of different things. Uh, obviously we talked about how we need to start by looking at our actual faith and if we have faith in Jesus and who he was. Uh, and then going from there we um, needed, we tested ourselves by seeing if we were fleeing from sin, if we were pursuing righteousness, um, if we were loving God and loving others completely, and then we looked at our fruit uh, to see if our fruit was that we were um, producing uh, was good or bad. Uh, so hopefully that did a lot for you. Hopefully you figured out which one of those four people you were, if you remember that. The believer who's moving, the believer who's stuck, the false believer, and then the person who has yet to make that decision. Um, tonight we're talking about this process, a process that we kind of alluded to a little bit last week. Last week I kind of brought up this idea that salvation is not uh, a one-and-done deal. It's not something that we just, um, where we just repeat this prayer and then we just coast, like we just live our lives the way we did before. Um, that's not really what it's about, to be unaffected, to be not changed. That's not what happens. Um, there's, there's homework that comes with this life, that comes with this faith. We can't just do that, take that one initial step and then just not do anything else. You, you'll fail. That's not the, the point of, of all this. Uh, last week we talked about the marks or the evidence of a believer. Um, what true faith should look like in this concept of false um, conversions. Now we're going to start talking about how to do this right, how to live for Christ right. Uh, how to really be saved, not just saying a prayer because the people around us are, but not really having any change in our lives. And really this whole process starts with what we're talking about tonight. It starts with sin and us understanding it. If we can't understand our sin and the consequences of our sin, then the rest of this process isn't going to really matter. Because without us understanding sin, well, I'm just going to say the same thing I just did, and that's redundant, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so first we're going to start by talking about the origin of sin, where sin came from, the beginning of sin. So open up these boys to Genesis 3 and keep it there. We're going to be rocking Genesis 3 all night long. Um, for the record, we, um, I kind of switched versions of um, the Bible that I personally use that, I, that, that we're going to be using in here at Youth Group. Um, so all those new Bibles will be that version. So as long as you have the new Bibles, you'll be okay. If you have the old one, it will be fine. It will say something close, just not exactly, but the point will still be there. Got it? We're going to start by reading Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Uh, do not close your Bibles after we're done with this, because like I said, we're rolling through Genesis 3. Here we go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
You see why I picked this version? Because it's got those old-timey words. It's dope. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent is obviously Satan, right? I feel like most of us maybe know that. If you didn't, there you go. A little nugget of wisdom. The serpent is Satan. And Satan, what he does, and we talked a lot about this last year, so if this is old news, forgive me. But Satan, what he does is, is he, his, his entire goal is to take us away from God, to make sure that we don't end up in heaven. That's all he wants. And he does a lot of things to do that. He tries to steal our focus by using things in our life as distractions, like we talked about a little earlier, things that are good that we're forced to do, like school, like, like sports, like homework, like other things like that, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends. Um, he'll use those things to completely distract us from where our focus should be, completely distract us from God. And when we're distracted from God, when we're not engaged in an active devotional life, then our faith is going to suffer. But he uses other tools like temptations and trials, and he'll lie to us and do a bunch of different things to us. And, and this is a main thing. One of the main things he does is he, he tells us lies, and he gets us to question God gets us to question God's authority and what he's saying to us, what his rules are, just like he did in these, these five verses that we read. He brings up this, this idea to, to Eve um, that maybe God isn't telling the whole truth. You will sure, not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he tries to, to redirect, to take that rule that God clearly placed and to spin it and to get her to question what God actually said. So she'll end up thinking thoughts like, did God really say that? Did he really mean that we can't eat of this tree? And eventually it worked for, for uh, Adam and Eve. And it, it works for us all the time. We try to justify the bad things we do by questioning God's motives or his intent. We say things like, well, God didn't really mean that. He meant this. We'll, we'll say things like, oh, it doesn't really matter if I do it just this once. We end up taking advantage of his grace a lot, too. We'll say things like, oh, God will just forgive me anyways, and then we'll go out and do something that we know is wrong. We all do this time after time, and we have to be so careful not to allow Satan any room and any foothold in our life to get these questions racing around in our heads. We need to recognize these questions as what they are. They are lies from Satan trying to get us to trip us up and to take us away from God. Go back in your Bibles. We'll read verse Six. I'm just going to read it out of here. It's hard to flip the Bible open with a microphone in your hand. Verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some, some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Because he can't think for himself. Poor Adam. Here's what we learn in this verse. Sin looks good. Sin looks good. That's why we do it. Because it looks good. It, it feels good. It's appealing to us. If sin wasn't appealing in any way to us, then it wouldn't be a big deal. We would just see the law. We would see what God wants us to do. And we wouldn't do it because it's not appealing. But that's not the case. It's appealing. 
And Satan, just like in Genesis 3, does what he can to tempt us with those things that we enjoy, that are appealing to us. And that's different for every single person in this room. Satan knows where to turn the key in your life. He knows where to go, what areas to go, what things to tempt you with to get you to mess up. Those things to steal our focus from God in hopes of stealing our soul from God as well. But these things, they might look good, they might feel good in the moment, they might be appealing, but they have lasting consequences that are quite severe. And to figure out some of those consequences, we'll keep reading, starting in verse 7, go through verse 10. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now we get to see almost immediately consequences of sin. Right? Sin happened, and because sin happened, these different things came into the world, these bad things, these bad emotions, these feelings like fear and shame came into the world. These things were not created by God. They are not of God. They came into the world through Adam and Eve when they sinned for the first time. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they had nothing to fear. They had all that they wanted, all that they needed to survive. They had. They lived in paradise. They had God watching over them constantly, and they were Lord over everything. They didn't have to, to see that lion coming and be like, oh no, a lion's coming. Instead, they ran over to it, hopped on its back, and they went and ran up mountains and stuff. Right? They didn't have to worry about that because they had lordship over everything. They had control and power over everything. They didn't have to have shame. They walked around naked without thinking that it was weird because they didn't know any better. They didn't have a care in the world. Then they chose to go against God, to bring sin into the world, to eat of that tree. And then immediately, immediately they felt shame and fear. See, with our sin, these are some of the consequences of our sin as well. I'm sure all of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes and, and, and had these emotions, have felt fear, have felt shame for what we've done. But unfortunately, there's more consequences to our sins than just that. We're going to skip ahead a little bit to verse 16, Genesis 3, 16 through 19. It says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Pain you shall bring forth children. Yeah, that's a good one. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because sin came into the world, these things now happen. Ladies, you can thank Eve for the pain and joy of childbearing. And now because of what happened, we have to work the ground and sweat and toil for our food. 
Before that, they didn't have to do any of that. I'm sure childbearing, even though no child was birthed prior to this, but it probably would have been a breeze. Like, you probably just snap your fingers, and there it is. Full-grown human. And before then, they just had all the food and stuff they wanted. They didn't have to plant anything. It was just there. But now there are consequences to this sin that has now entered the world. We're going to talk about the eternal consequences to our sin a little bit later, but there are immediate consequences that we see from our sin. Never will you sin and escape sin unscathed, without scars. All sin affects us. All sin hurts us. It has consequences, whether it's the tiniest little sin. It all has consequences. In the moment, sin seems right. It feels right. It feels fine. But there are consequences when we disobey God. You look through the Bible anywhere, you see countless examples of people disobeying God and then suffering the consequences. I think of the story of Moses. We all know about Moses. Moses did so much for God and for God's people. He took the people of Israel out of Egypt and did all these amazing things. Well, God did all these amazing things through Moses. Moses was the guy who had an encounter with God, who, who saw God, who was given the Ten Commandments that we now have right here in this book, was given the law, led these people out of Israel. And because he made one mistake, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. Instead of listening to God and speaking to a rock to provide water for all the people, he hid it. He disobeyed God. And that may not seem like a big deal. So what? He hit the rock. But God had a beef with it. He disobeyed God. And because of that, Moses wasn't allowed to go in the promised land. Moses disobeyed, and there were consequences. Now let's talk about what this all means for us. My sin. Your sin. Our sin. I think the first thing we need to recognize is what Romans 3.23 says. You should know this by heart by now, by the way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is not a problem for just a select few. Sin is a human problem. We all sin. We all mess up. We all disobey God and go against his wishes. We are fallen just like Adam and Eve. We've all been tempted and gave in just like Adam and Eve. We look at Adam and Eve and be like, Man, why can you be so dumb? You know you're not supposed to eat of that tree, but yet you did anyways because a snake talked to you? But yet we do that all the time. Every day we're tempted with something, and a lot of times we give in. We slip up. We fail. We make mistakes. And because of that, because we've all sinned, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So because we've all sinned, now we deserve death. The wage that we are paid is death. That is the consequence of our sin is death. See, this is a standard to get into heaven. This is the ticket to heaven is sinlessness. Heaven is, is such a perfect place that sin cannot enter its gates. Sin is not allowed in. In fact, you look at that one time that sin was in heaven. There was this angel named Lucifer. He was a poopy head. And he was the most beautiful angel, and he got jealous of God, of the power that God had. And then he was sent to this place that was created for him, which you're thinking, oh, cozy. Not really. It was hell. And it was Satan. 
Satan was an angel who wanted what God had and sinned and was thrown into hell and now is competing for your soul. But now because of our sin, we cannot be sinless because of what Romans 3.23 said. The fact is, is that we've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, and now this is what we deserve. We deserve Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve eternity in hell. Regardless of what you've done, we all deserve the same end. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, oh, I'm a pretty good person. That couldn't be me. Regardless of what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, we've all sinned once, and that means we all deserve hell. But there's a catch. So to enter heaven, you must either be sinless or appear sinless to God. Right, to have your sins covered, removed, or to have them kind of permanently eliminated from your record. Fortunately, that kind of happened. If you read the second half of Romans 6.23, it says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life. Fortunately, sin doesn't have to be the end of our story. Hell doesn't have to be our end, our only option. We have another option. But it's an option. It's a choice. It's not something that's forced upon us. It's not something that, is just, that just inherently happens. It's a choice, a decision we need to make. We don't have to live our lives with all of our baggage, with all our mistakes and sins strapped to our backs. We can have access to this free gift, a gift of eternal life through Jesus. So as we wrap up, it is so, so important that we understand our sin. If we're going to truly accept Jesus and understand how important he is to our lives and have faith in him, real faith in him, we have to understand our sin. We have to understand what our sin does to us, how it affects us, the price that we deserve to pay for our sin. If we don't do that, if we don't understand our sin, then we're missing it, and our faith is going to be empty and shallow. And I think a lot of times that is kind of where the problem is, is that this very first part of this process, not truly understanding the price that we deserve to pay, that we need to pay, and then to understand the free gift that God has. Only can we understand how amazing that gift is after we understand how terrible our sin is. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, my goodness, I'm sorry. We're, we're sorry. Day after day, we, we make all these mistakes. We, we disobey you constantly. We can say it's just in our nature, but it's so much more than that. Every day we hurt you. Every day we spit in your face. Because we don't obey you. We don't listen to you. God, I'm sorry. We're sorry for all the mistakes that we've made, for all the sin that we commit. God, we're so grateful for you. We're next week as we talk more about Jesus and, and, and what he did, the sacrifice he made for us. God, right now we just sit after talking about our sin and we just feel so undeserving. How we, there's no way we deserve anything that you did for us. God, for the sacrifice you made. God, that's what makes it so awesome. Lord, I pray that you would just prepare hearts for next week, God, that next week, Lord, that we can talk about Jesus, Lord, and that lives will be changed. That maybe there'll be people who, 
who haven't yet committed or, or, or claimed their faith in you. Or maybe there's people who, who maybe said a prayer, but, but really nothing took hold in their life. I pray that, that next week, God, that, that something would take hold, that you would take hold in their life, God, and that they could move from next week knowing that they're saved, knowing that they're a follower of Christ, and that they would be different, that they would be a new creation, that they would be changed. God, but first, help us truly understand our sin. This week, I pray you would just reveal how nasty our sin is. Every time we make a mistake, that we would know it, that your Holy Spirit would convict us, and that we would know how terrible our sin is and how much we need you. How we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.